0: Well, good morning, everybody. Everyone that comes up says, Merry Christmas, I feel like I should too. Merry Christmas. Don't get old. Does that get old? It doesn't get old, does it? It doesn't get old to hear that passage from Luke either. We're going to look at that today. Will you join me as I uh, commit this time uh, to the Lord in prayer? Lord Jesus, we come before you this Christmas morning with worship and reverence because you are you are the king of kings you are the prince of peace you are the almighty God the resurrection and the life the savior of the world you are hope for all people prepare us now with open hearts and open minds to what you want to teach us this Christmas. May the truth of your word be a source of joy and encouragement this Christmas morning. And may our worship bring you the glory you deserve. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Well, it's great to see everybody here this morning. I know there's a lot of excitement. You probably had some Christmas celebration interrupted this morning to be here. So thank you. And I want to send a, extend a special Thank you to our worship team, our tech team who took, uh, were they are even here earlier this morning. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so there, you got applause. That's awesome. Um, and a special welcome if you're visiting here this morning. We are so glad you've uh, come to, to worship with us this Christmas. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, we've considered this question, what child is this? The song we just sang before the scripture reading, what child is this? It's a question that was asked 2,000 years ago, and it's a question being asked today. Who is this Jesus? If you've been with us these last few weeks, you'll recall that we've answered that question uh, by looking at Jesus, our hope, Jesus, our King, and Jesus, our peace. Today, we conclude our Christmas sermon series by considering Jesus our Savior. The celebration of Christmas is a celebration of our Savior's birth. This was God's plan from the beginning. His promise to send a Savior is woven throughout Scripture. We see it illustrated through the Old Testament narrative, it was reflected. In the Old Testament laws and rituals, it was foretold by the Old Testament prophets, and it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That very first Christmas, if this works, turn it on, that very first Christmas, the angel of the Lord proclaimed to a group of shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord in their new testament letters the apostles paul and peter both describe jesus as our lord and savior john writes that jesus is the savior of the world scripture is crystal clear on this point jesus Is our Savior. This morning we're going to consider what this truth means and how this truth affects you and me. The message for you this Christmas is to believe and rejoice in Jesus our Savior. Believe and rejoice in Jesus our Savior. According to Merriam Webster, a Savior is one who saves. From danger or destruction. I don't think it should be a surprise to anyone here that the defining attribute of a savior is that they save, right? You can't be a savior and not save. Have you ever needed someone to save you from danger or destruction? Shortly after Christine and I were married, some friends of ours came to visit us, and they brought their son, who is maybe a year old. He was crawling, not yet walking. As we visited with our friends, their son entertained themselves on the floor next to us. And at some point, he was playing by our coffee table, and he managed to turn his head in such a way that he slid it through this narrow opening in our coffee table. Uh, However, when he got that head through and turned it, he was stuck. He was unable to pull his head back out through that opening. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was interesting. I, like, <laughs> this is pre-cell phones, so we, um, we don't have a picture to show you, but if you can imagine a, a rectangular coffee table with a head on one side and a body on the other side, that's what we were looking at. And this poor boy was completely helpless. In fact, the more he tried to rescue himself, the more panicked he got. The poor boy was stuck and needed his dad to come rescue him. Now, that's a cute story, I know, of someone needing saving. And there are some parallels I could draw to our spiritual condition. But the story falls way, way short, of being an adequate analogy to the very real spiritual predicament that you and I face. The danger we face is eternal separation from God because of our sin. Now, like the boy stuck in our coffee table, there is nothing we can do on our own to save ourselves. However, unlike that boy, we are born with this spiritual condition. It's not something we learn. It's not something that happens on accident. To help us understand this, let's go back in Scripture to Genesis chapter 1, where we read that God's completed creation was perfectly good, Genesis 131. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God and were in perfect relationship with Him. Well, until Genesis chapter 3. That is when Adam and Eve sinned against God. They fell victim to Satan, the great deceiver. They gave in to the temptation to become like God. If you're familiar with that story, they broke God's instruction, and thus they broke their perfect relationship with God. Since I don't have my slide up here, write this down, Romans 5.12 tells us that sin came into the world through one man, meaning Adam, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Scripture teaches that because of Adam and Eve's sinful disobedience, each one of us are infected with a sinful nature. As Paul summarized so famously, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Not some, not most, all have sinned. Now, I know this is not a popular teaching. This week, I ran across a health and wellness article. I'll use quotes to describe that label. An article this week, and I quote from the headline, We are hardwired for goodness. We are hardwired for goodness. That's a pretty common belief today. People are essentially good. But we're not. We're not born good. Whether you pick up the newspaper or you observe a three-year-old for a few minutes, it's obvious we are born with a sin nature. As Wayne Grudem writes, children do not have to be taught how to do wrong. They discover that by themselves. But rather than accept that I am a sinner in need of saving, our culture teaches that I am a pretty good person. So it's natural to falsely conclude that I'm on good terms with God. Surely, he will look favorably on my good deeds and my good intentions. Besides, I'm not as bad as a, a murderer or, a, or an exploiter or, or an abuser. They're, they're the real sinners. Friends, That is a false and dangerous belief system. That is like comparing two beverages. One is full of deadly poison, and the other, a glass of water with just a couple drops of deadly poison in it. One may be worse than the other, but drink either one and and you're a goner, right? Both are tainted, both are unacceptable, both have the same consequence being mostly good does not earn God's favor. Scripture teaches that eternity with God requires a perfectly sinless life. God does not grade us on a curve; he requires absolute perfection. Yet each of us falls short of God's perfect standard. Romans 3:11 through 12, Paul quotes from Psalms. He writes, "None is righteous, no, not one. No one does good, not even one. And the just consequence of our sin is eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is death, Paul writes in Romans 6.23. That is why just one act of disobedience resulted in Adam and Eve being banished from God's perfect garden. And we share In that same spiritual predicament, we are stained with sin. And no amount of good works can swing the scales of justice in our favor. We stand guilty before a holy God. So Merry Christmas. (laughs) Be of good cheer. Happy holidays. This would be like the most depressing Christmas sermon ever if I stopped right now. But to grasp the meaning and significance of Christmas, we need to hear the truth of Scripture. We need to know the bad news in order to understand and embrace the good news of great joy that is for all people. Because there is nothing we can do to save ourselves, we must look to another for rescue. We need a Savior. Praise God that in his love and mercy, he provided a way out of our spiritual predicament. We call this salvation. God sent his own son, Jesus, to live the perfect sinless life we can never live and to pay the penalty of our sin in our place. As the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins Matthew 121 That is the good news of the gospel and the essence of Jesus our savior where we have failed to keep God's law Jesus perfectly obeyed it where we deserve the penalty for breaking God's law Christ died for us he bore God's wrath that we deserve Peter writes he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed second 2 peter 2, 2:22 to 24 do you understand what peter's saying jesus God's son committed no sin. Stephen inadvertently read from Hebrews 4. Did you hear that? It was like God ordained you to read from Hebrews chapter 4. He was without sin. He lived a perfectly obedient life. He was without blemish. He entrusted himself to the will of God the Father. On the cross, he bore our sins in our place. Speaking of the promised Messiah, Isaiah wrote this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus, our Savior, bore God's wrath that we deserve. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross he bore for me, for you. And Jesus didn't just pay the penalty of our sin. He proved his power over sin and death by rising again. In John chapter 11, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That is the hope we have in Christ our Savior. That is the good news of Scripture you look carefully at that verse, John chapter 11, perhaps you notice that Jesus said, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. The grace of God is a gift to receive, and we receive it by believing. It does no good, friends, celebrating Christmas and not receive the gift of salvation offer, God offers through his son, Jesus Giving gifts is great. Singing carols, go do it with your family. We're going to do it after communion or maybe before. You can roast chestnuts. I mean, I don't care what your Christmas celebration is. Even coming to church this morning, so thankful you're here. But let me tell you, that is an empty, hollow celebration without receiving salvation by believing in Jesus, our Savior. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, he gave, he gave his son, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 16. Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8. The good news of Christmas is the best gift you can ever receive. It is the gift of God's grace, forgiveness of your sins and eternity with him. But it is a gift to receive. Paul explained that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Don't let Christmas 22, 2022 end today without receiving the good news of great joy that is for you. It's for you. If you have never cried out to God to save you and to forgive you, don't wait. You can receive salvation through Jesus Christ right now and be saved from your sin and experience the peace and joy and hope that you spend eternity with God, no longer separated from him, If you have questions about this, I encourage you, talk with your parent. Talk with a pastor. We would love to help answer questions you have. I know many of you here this morning, like me, have received God's gift of salvation. I hope and pray that being reminded of these truths fill you with a heart of thanks and joy and worship. Our family has a tradition during Advent goes back to when I was growing up and carried it into our family. After dinner, we go around the table. We say, thank you, Lord, for the person sitting next to us. And then we say, and thank you for one other thing. Okay, so I might say, thank you, Lord, for Christine. And thank you that we had a chance to worship you this morning at church. Now, usually we uh, don't come prepared. So we're often thankful for whatever is top of mind. Recently, what was top of mind for me was simply Christmas. I'm thankful for Christmas. I don't know about you, I never get old of singing Christmas songs, of reading Christmas books, of hearing Christmas messages. I can't wait to get home and open presents, to be honest. (laughs) And this year, I am especially thankful that I could preach this morning. Not so that you could all hear me, but because it got me in God's word. It, it, It forced me in my preparations to, to ponder again this familiar truth that I am a sinner and need a saving and that I have received this amazing and awesome gift of God's mercy and grace. And it's prompted me to consider how I respond. How do I respond to this gift? How many gifts do you receive that it's like, oh, that's nice, and then you put it on a shelf and you forget about it? These, you know, we we so we've preached on Jesus, my hope. We've preached on Jesus, my peace, Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, my King. These attributes of Jesus—they're not feel-good sayings to cheer you up when it's cold outside. They're not academic concepts that we master intellectually. These truths of Jesus transform us from the inside out. When you declare Jesus as your savior and king, you are born again to a living hope. You are given new life. You are no longer separated from God, but adopted into his family. You become an heir to the king of kings. You know how Peter describes your inheritance? It is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading Kept in heaven for you. Do you believe this? If so, I guarantee you, no Christmas gift you receive this year can top God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So how do you respond? I'll, I'll tell you, as I worked on this sermon, how I responded. Because I was convicted. How quickly... And how easily I put that gift on a shelf. And how quickly and easily I look to things of this world for my hope and my peace and my security. In my head, I know I've received the gift of salvation. Yet my heart anxiously focused on trying to orchestrate all the logistics of this busy season, both at home and at work. Christine said, develop this more. And I'm like, I don't know. I, if you want to talk to me about that, I, I'm happy to talk to you. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you about all my problems. But what I will say is, I was convicted, convicted about that. Perhaps some of you can relate to that. I needed to repent and ask God to help me fully trust and hope in Him, not my circumstances, not trust in the things I'm trying to control. Matthew 6.33 came to mind. Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. I needed a priority shift. Is there a response God is calling you to this week? Perhaps you take this gift of God for granted and need to take time like Mary in Luke 2.19. Take time to ponder and treasure the meaning and significance of Jesus, our Savior. Perhaps you need to respond to this gift of God by extending the peace and forgiveness that you've received from Jesus to someone else. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, Romans twelve eighteen. Perhaps you need to respond to this gift by fully accepting and receiving that there is nothing you can do to add to the saving work of Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. Perhaps like the shepherds in Luke 2, you need to respond by sharing this good news with others or simply responding to God with heartfelt worship. Perhaps like Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, you need to respond with devoted obedience to God's word. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you never grow tired of hearing the familiar Christmas story and being reminded that God loves you so much that he sent his son to save you from your sin. May you believe and rejoice in Jesus, our Savior, this morning. I'd like to conclude this morning Before we transition, conclude this sermon uh, by speaking a Christmas blessing over you. If if you're willing and able, uh, just close your eyes. Try to put the busyness of this day out of your minds, the things that need to happen after this service, and just receive this blessing. If you are here this morning and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, May you experience peace and hope as you are reminded, again, that Jesus loves you so much that he humbly and obediently and willingly came to earth as a baby so that he could save you from your sins. May you find rest knowing that the righteousness of Jesus has been transferred to you, so you no longer need to strive to earn God's favor. You are forgiven and free. May you be strengthened to live joyfully and obediently to where he has called you, even if that calling involves pain or hardship right now. May you shine the light of Jesus brightly to your family and friends and neighbors, and may you receive grace upon grace this Christmas. And if you are here this morning and you have never received God's gift of salvation, May this Christmas be the day you confess to the Lord you are in need of saving and receive the peace and hope that comes from knowing Jesus, your Savior. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, oh, what tidings of comfort and joy we receive from knowing that you came to earth to save us from our sin, even when we had gone astray. Help us believe and rejoice in you this morning. Amen.